Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. And I'm Katie. And we're back. <laughs> yes. It's been so long. It's been a while. <laughs> yes. um, did you miss us? <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> I know. They're like, these bitches are back. These bitches. Hey, you don't have to listen to us. That's true. Do. You don't have to listen to us. <laughs> Delete. This, this, like, oh, this okay, opening man. sucks. <laughs> um, We're rusty, apparently. <laughs> so, guys, um, if you have been following us, then you know that we took a little siesta for the month of May, mm-hmm. um, which I thought, okay, great. June, we're going to be well-rested. We'll have plenty of time on our hands <laughs> and... Life is what you make of it. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, life had different plans because guess what, guys? I decided that um, California just wasn't dangerous enough for me and I need to move and live in the state of serial killers and move to Florida. So, yeah, that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm either going to die by Florida man, a serial killer, or an alligator. It's going to happen. Well, think of it in this way. You're going to have be very close to some really good material. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Got the inside scoop. Literally. <laughs> and hopefully yeah. you don't become the inside Oh, scoop. my gosh. Yeah, so Katie moved into a new apartment, um, mm-hmm. and she's living, you know, the dream, even though we were just talking about her deadly stares that are in this new apartment. They're like... They're like the spin. What do you call those kind of stairs? Spiral staircase. Spiral staircase. Yeah, we live in like a um, a two story like townhouse now, and it has a spiral staircase. That goes and is it metal? And it's scary. Uh, no, it's metal and wood. Okay, it looked yeah. like metal because it was all black from the picture, and I was like, "You're gonna die." <laughs> no, the like um, the sides of it are metal, but then the steps are wood. Uh, okay. So extra slippery. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys remember, I sprained my ankle going down regular stairs, not spiral stairs. <laughs> when you come and see my place, I'll just take pictures of the upstairs for you. You don't need to go up. There. Yeah, I don't need to see it. I told her she should have like a rope attached to the staircase so I can just tie myself to it. I'll get you one of those chairs and you can just swirl on up. Yeah. <laughs> but like in the office episode when Jack Black is like in love with the... um you know what I'm talking about? And they're like watching no. some random... Okay, this is a tangent I'm just going to give up on. Anyways, <laughs> there's like an office episode where they're watching a movie and it's like Pam and Jim, I think, are talking about Pam's mom dating Michael. Mm-hmm. And, oh my gosh, why, Andy is like, 
trying to watch movies with them but he thinks they're talking about the movie and he's like totally re like reading into like what they're saying about the movie even though they're not yeah. talking about the movie but the movie is like this fake drama with jack black who's in love with this like elderly woman and they like <laughs> kiss goodbye and she like i can't remember exactly i'm totally butchering this but i think she goes on like their motorized like elevator that's attached to the staircase and she's like slowly like going away like up the stairs mm-hmm. or something like that anyway it's what i'm saying is you should get one of those <laughs> yes. or i'll just put a giant net underneath <laughs> yeah or just pillows everywhere i don't know <laughs> something yes. but yeah so katie's moved into her new apartment she's got her new job she got her new man i mean same man but you know now he's like legally bound to her so <laughs> can't escape me can't escape now and then um i went to ireland which was amazing and awesome <laughs> except for the return flight home was not amazing <laughs> at all like i feel like i could do a whole episode Horrible. on just the horror of trying to get back into the country guys but i won't but it was terrible and i'm gonna say this don't fly with sass. <laughs> yes. I don't Spread care if they try to sponsor us in the future. Screw you guys. <laughs> Where's my luggage? <laughs> oh my gosh. So I will give it a brief because this is a catch-up episode, so it's going to be a little bit longer than normal. Sorry, guys. And you can skip ahead if you really want to hear the true crime. <laughs> but yeah, It's coming. But this is also a crime, okay? so It is. Crazy. Crime against humanity. It's a crime against humanity. <laughs> against the American Constitution. <laughs> against my rights. <laughs> so, as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We've been in the middle of a pandemic. For far too long. For like a quarter of my life already, okay? So like, I wasted the last year of my I'm 20s on about this damn shit. Monkey pox or whatever, and I'm like, come on. Can we just can we just not? I can't look anymore. You can't. You can't look anymore. So we went to Ireland. I got like a, my friend, a couple of friends and I, we found a really good deal with Scott's cheap flights. So we like booked it on a whim when I was actually sick Scott's with COVID. Scott's cheap flights sponsor us, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When I was actually sick with COVID, I booked this flight. Not to go, but, like, you know what I mean. <laughs> just, you're in a diluted state, yeah. so you just make decisions and you don't think about financial consequences. Um, <laughs> and so we bought these tickets and we planned a whole trip and we had it pretty planned well. We had our rental car planned. Everywhere we were going, it was this awesome road trip. I had an amazing time in Ireland and I cannot wait to go back because I definitely, definitely have to go back. There's so much I didn't get to see that I want to see. And uh, on the way home, though, our flight was from Dublin to Copenhagen, and it was like, I think our flight was at 12.40 p.m. on a Friday. And let me also add, it was Friday the 13th, which probably was our first mistake, traveling on Friday the 13th. But we were supposed to travel from Dublin to Copenhagen. It was like a two-hour flight. And then we were supposed to have like a 17 or 18 hour layover in Copenhagen. So we booked a hotel there because we're like, cool, go and explore a little bit. Denmark, that's kind of cool. And then from there, we had a 10 hour flight back to LAX. Well, um, half of us made that trip. (laughs) The other half did not. (laughs) So we started the morning out on a rough start. We're like, let's get there like super early and get there a couple hours before a flight like you should when you're flying internationally. 
And I would also like to state that we looked at all the COVID protocols. We did. We looked on the website, we looked on everything, and it said that we did not need a COVID test to get into Denmark, but we did need one to get into the U.S. and it had to be within 24 hours. So if you're like the rest of us, you would think, hmm, I should probably get my test taken in Denmark then because it'll expire if I take it in Dublin, right? And I'm in a new country where I could totally pick it up there, so I should take it in Denmark. Well, it was a chaotic morning. I think we couldn't get our car out of like the car park because it wouldn't give us our ticket to show that we were parked there and yada, yada, yada. And we ended up getting to the airport by the time we dealt with like a lot of things that were just completely out of our control. Like I feel like that entire day there was one roadblock after the next that was trying to stop us from making our flight. It was unbelievable. And we get there and... We're still pretty early. We're like, I think, two hours ahead of our um, flights. We're like, okay, cool. We're doing good on time. So we go to the self-check-in, what are they called? Kiosks. And they are all not working. And so, (laughs) of course, of course course they're not working. Like, none of them working. So we look over and there's this giant fat line to, like, check in. So we go and do that. We wait in this giant line. And there are no signs anywhere, by the way, talking about COVID testing or anything like that at all. Just no signage anywhere in this airport. And we get up to the front and we're like checking her in and there's a new girl working. Bless her heart. Her name's Trish. Hi, Trish. And I hope you're listening. (laughs) Probably not. But if you are. (laughs) Hi, Trish. Um, I liked you in the beginning of the story. (laughs) Just kidding. But she was having trouble. It was her, I don't know how new she was to it, but she was having trouble figuring out how to check in our bag. Mm -hmm. And we tried to pay for the bag online, but it wouldn't let us because their website is absolute garbage. Like it really is. And so we were trying to pay for it there. And we're like, yeah, we need to send this luggage home. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she like couldn't figure it out. And then Carter, my friend, was um, trying to check in. And this other lady who I really wish I knew her name because she was so bitchy that I would write a personal dear <laughs> Mr. Sass. Dear Mr. Sass. This is a white woman. A white woman <laughs> trapped in your airport. Yes. I would have written her a letter about this bitch. But let me say, she just like rude. Like, it's not even that she was telling us information that, okay, yeah, you're probably thinking, you're like, duh, you should take a COVID test. But it's just how she told us it. It was so rude and so condescending. And she's just like, yeah, so you like better run and go get it right now. Like you have to go out those doors and do this. And we're like, but we thought we could take it in Denmark. She's like, no, you need it now. You need it before your first flight. I'm like, this would have been really nice to know if you had this somewhere on your website or if even if the CDC had it somewhere on their fucking website. But you know what? Fuck you, CDC, with all your changing laws just to, I don't know. Anyways, get off my soapbox. So (laughs) we run like the wind down to this uh area to take our covid test and Mm -hmm. of course the map they gave us and the signage is all wrong and Mm -hmm. it took us like 20 minutes to find the place so we find the place and we're waiting in line to check in and you have to check in on your phone which is dumb because we're right there and you have to fill out all this stuff and you pay with your card on your phone and everything and then the guy's like are you ready i'm like yeah i'm ready and he's like oh and his laptop died which I'm like, why are you doing this on a laptop? Like, seriously, why dude? Why are you doing it on a dying laptop? <laughs> uh, 
So he spent like, I'm not kidding, like 15 minutes looking for a power cord to like plug in his laptop. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the SAS person said that like they were going to close their desk at 12 p.m. So like it was 1130 at this time. And we were were so stressed out. Like my poor friend Devinge was like, she was having, she was about to have a panic attack for sure. And I was just like, this, this is not happening. But in the back of my mind, I'm also like, well, if we miss our flight, it's okay. They'll just put us on the next one because that's how airlines normally work. Right? Right. (laughs) But not sass. Not sass at all. (laughs) Am I still upset about this? Maybe. Anyways, so... (laughs) We finally get our COVID test, and they say, okay, you have your results in, like, 30 minutes. We're like, that sucks, but okay. So we run, because they say they're going to, like, email it to us. So we run back to check in, and they won't check us in until they see the email that we got, like, negative test. So we're standing there, and so are a couple other Americans that are in the same boat as us, because, like I said, this was not properly outlined on any travel websites, CDC, SAS, or anything like that. And so we're waiting, and then they finally start checking us in, and Trish has trouble checking the bag in still. So that takes another 15 or so minutes, and it's now like 12.10, and they're already starting to board our flight. And the bitchy one leaves, and she's like, don't worry, I'll hold the flight for you guys, I'll let them know. But she's like super snarky about it, and then Trish is like, wait, you're going to leave me by myself? Like... I'm brand new and there's all these people I have to check in now. And she's like, I have to go. And she just left. She left Trish there by herself. And poor Trish was like panicking. And so Trish kept like getting up and like leaving her seat to like go and find someone to help her. And that kept taking more time. And so we're just there like, dude, what are we going to do right now? (laughs) So they check in our bag. We say goodbye to the bag. And literally, I guess we said goodbye to it because we haven't seen it since. And they take the bag and they get Devin and Clarissa, two of my travel buddies, and they run off to security. She gives them a little fast pass so they can get to the front of the line. And then my friend Carter and I are there with the other few Americans trying to get checked in. Well, Trish mistakenly gives Carter one of the other girl's passports and gives the girl Carter's passport. We don't realize this till we're like in security. And yeah, so that took up some time and then we get to security with our fast pass. And they're trying to tell us that like we're in the wrong terminal and we're like, no, we're not. We're in the right terminal. And he's like, no, you're definitely in the wrong terminal. Like this is terminal one. This is terminal two, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, we're in the right terminal, please. We got to go now. And so he pulls out his phone. He's like, hold on, love. It'll just be a minute. And it's like looking up, the, the freaking which terminal it is he's like oh you're right this is the right terminal I'm like yes it is so we run <laughs> we go through security and of course every single one of our bags gets like taken aside and they like scan it for a bunch of stuff Carter's Carter put his laptop in the thing in a bin by itself like you normally do and one yeah. of the um, people that work there put a jacket over it so it got dinged and so they ran it through three times oh my three god three times by the time he got his laptop bag, I got a text from uh, my friend Clarissa. She's like, we tried to stop them. The plane just left. And we're like, cool. So Clarissa and Devin are on the plane. And we, like, run to the gate and we see our plane take off. And we're like, cool. I remember getting, at this point, I got Carter's Snapchat. And it was all, there goes my plane. And it's, like, literally the plane <laughs> Flying away. Going away, and I was just like, oh shit, what happened? And 
the crazy thing is, is you would think maybe there was like one person at the gate still or something like that. There's no one. It's a ghost town. Like no workers there, no one around or anything. So I'm just like, okay, we're going to look for the next flight to Copenhagen and see if we can get on standby. So I'm like looking and I see another SAS flight to Copenhagen in 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, let's run there. So we run there. And guess who's there? That stupid bitch lady that I don't know her name. And she's like, oh, you guys made it. And we're like, no, this isn't our flight. We missed our flight. And she's like, oh. And she's like, hold on. And then she, like, loads everyone up and then, like, talks to, like, agents for a while. And they look like they're talking about what drinks they had the night before, not about, like, hey, there's people that need to get to Copenhagen. And then she comes back and she's, like, just staring at us. We're like, is there anything you can do to help us? Like what do we do now? And she's like, oh, you're going to go to this people. And then she just points at like her lanyard that's around her neck and she has it upside down, not even like the right way. So we're like trying to read it. And she's like, yeah, you're going to exit the airport. You have to go through security. You have to re-enter Ireland. And then you go to this desk and they'll help you. And we're just like, that's our option. And actually, let me back it up. She actually didn't even say all of that. She just said, you have to go to these people. But she didn't tell us where they were. <laughs> so we had to find out where they were by asking a lot of different people and then discovering that we had to exit the entire airport and go through immigration or whatever it's called again to get back into Ireland, which the line was so long and got stamped again, re-entered Ireland and then had to re-enter the airport. And then we get to the help desk and there's no one there. And I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) There's no one here. No one here at all. This is great. I love it. I love my life. And we go to, like, the desk where Trish was, and there's no one there either, and it's a totally different airline now. It's, like, it's like the circus, like, left town, and they totally, like, shook off all the rags and, like, put up a new flag and everything. And I was just like, this is perfect. So we're kind of circling back and forth trying to find someone to help us. And then we finally get someone at the help desk, and they basically tell us, oh, you need to call SAS. Here's a number. So we call SAS. We're on wait for like 30 minutes and then they tell us, oh yeah, there's nothing we can do. You need to like talk to the help desk. So then we go back to the help desk and they say, yeah, there's nothing we can do. You need to talk to SAS and you can use the phones downstairs. So we go to the phones downstairs. None of them are working. None of them. And we're trying all of them and sort other people. And then the security guard slowly like comes (laughs) and he just starts like working on them. And I'm like, (laughs) Carter was like, this is my personal hell. (laughs) He's just like. I don't do. I'd also like to add that Carter and I hadn't eaten anything yet that day. And it was like, I think it was already like two o'clock at this time. And we're just like, I'm so hungry. I've had to pee this whole time. We've just been running back and forth all over the Dublin airport trying to find someone to help us or listen to us or anything. I keep calling SAS. And so do the other Americans keep calling. And let me say, SAS, they were sassy. They were so freaking sassy and rude and just like condescending on the line like no one was helpful we finally go um we finally get a hold of someone who actually starts talking to us and she's like yeah i don't really believe your story like i don't think we're responsible for you guys missing your flight it sounds like you guys missed your flight and we're like are you kidding me like (laughs) this happened this happened this happened this happened like you guys left one person to check in 12 people like all this chaos happened i mean yes yes if you really want to like go back yes we should have probably taken our covid test earlier but we also there was no signage or anything saying that we had to do that for going to copenhagen and if you go on the copenhagen website it doesn't say you have to take it there like to get there so uh, but anyways 
they uh she's like we need to like call the airport to like make sure your story is actually true hold on and she supposedly calls and then she gets back on she's like yeah no one answered the phone so like i can't verify that so we go to the help desk we talk to someone there and they're like yeah no one called here we don't have any missed calls or anything but here's my name if you want to tell them they can call me and talk to me but yeah no one no one's called here at all And I was like, okay, well, we'll just buy a flight with someone else to get to Copenhagen. Like, I looked and there was flights for $100. And they're like, no, if you miss one part of the flight, you miss the entire flight. Which I'm like, seriously? But our spot is being held on that flight from Denmark to California. Like, I was so like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And, uh... Yeah, so it was literally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until finally I just started looking at other flights on Google, and I found one with Turkish Airlines, and there happened to be a Turkish help desk inside (laughs) the airport, and so we went with them and bought a ticket, which was like $600, which is, you know, not what we were planning on doing, and that flight left at 4.40, and it's 4 o'clock, because everyone that was the other thing i called my last ditch effort of calling sass i talked to a guy who had me on hold for so long like oh i'm gonna talk to my manager blah 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 and he's like yeah there's nothing we can do and i'm just thinking like there's always something you can do sure maybe you can't give us a refund or you can't get us on like pay for a new flight or something but you could at least be like hey let me help you find a new flight Or let me offer you $10 off. I don't fucking care. Send me a fortune cookie in the mail. I don't care, but you could do something to help. And this guy was like, there's nothing we can do to help. And I just literally sat there and in my mind, I was like, I hope someday you and your family are traveling and you get stuck somewhere and no one helps you because this (laughs) is hell. This is hell. (laughs) Hell is being stuck in the airport with no one helping you. I swear it is. And all I could think about was like the movie The Terminal with Tom Hanks when he's just stuck living in an airport. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be our life. (laughs) We live here now. Literally. And so, (laughs) thankfully, the people at Turkish Airlines were total sweethearts. And I highly recommend flying with them. They were awesome and amazing. Except that one buggered guy. So, we like it's four o'clock the flight's at 4 40 so we're like booking it down there after they you know got our tickets and stuff and apparently their check-in is like in a basement of the airport where like no one goes it's super weird and we're just like okay and the guy was like he was like the dry eyes guy he's like okay and that's an a b see and we're like dude we gotta make our flight now like don't worry about it just do this you know and he's just like okay do you want your points though and we're like no we don't care about the points just we need to get on this flight now and then um we're like is there any way you can give us like a fast pass so we can like get through security faster and he's like well you should have been here on time for your flight so no and i was like hold my back carter <laughs> people would have been going down <laughs> ah, oh my god so we we literally missed like i have never ran like that before and my pants were like falling down i was like holding them by the bell loops like running to the airport we've all been there yes it's the, <laughs> the worst, it's the worst. <laughs> and it's like i was sweating too because i was wearing stuff that i wasn't planning on traveling like in you know yeah like I, it was only supposed to be a two-hour flight 
to Copenhagen. So I was like, cool, once we get there, we'll get in the hotel, we'll rinse off, and we'll go explore and have a great time in the town. No, I'm wearing like a fucking turtleneck and like long pants. It, you know, they're doing the saggy butt thing. Like, I don't have yeah. a butt. And so when my pants lose it around three days, you can really tell I don't have a butt. And that's what was happening, and I was holding it in the back with my finger <laughs> about loop, literally waddling, running there. We thankfully made it because Turkish Airlines was running a little bit late. Thank God. And I got my meal of Tato chips, which are my favorite new crisps now, and a delicious bottle of water. That was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And got on the flight, and the seats that we had were like not supposed to be seats they were definitely where they used to put wheelchairs but they decided to like stick two little children <laughs> hobbit sized seats there you know and i was like cool yeah. whatever i'll take it and i was right next to the bathroom and so i heard the flush go off all the time and people would lean against me like i was a wall for the bathroom which was just spectacular actually no <laughs> that was my long flight i forgot the flight so we had to fly to istanbul which is four hours the opposite direction of the U.S., in case you don't know, and <laughs> then Istanbul, which it's a very lovely airport. It's like a brand new airport. We were there for like eight and a half hours, and thankfully, my brother found online that they have these things called sleep pods. We paid like 12 euros an hour to take a nap. It was the best money I've ever <laughs> spent in my life, in my Price life. Is a real one. <laughs> my feet stunk up that pod so bad, though. <laughs> You literally, like, cover yourself in it like a tomb, and it's just, like, I could just smell my feet, but I was like, oh, that's good. Like, I was out. So out. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Whatever, man. You had to set an alarm, because they're like, we won't wake you up, and we're not responsible if you miss your flight, and they'll just keep charging your card if you, like, keep sleeping, and I was like, Damn. I get it, I get it, but okay. So, <laughs> got two hours of glorious sleep, and... <laughs> I think I had, like, a really weird Turkish sandwich from their Turkish subway. And, yes, I had turkey from Turkey. And... <laughs> I love it. It was, like, orange-looking. It was kind of weird. But, um... Oh, yeah, it was kind of weird. I don't like that. <laughs> but I feel fine. I survived. So, that's what matters. And I think Carter took a little nap in a bar <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> so I was just, like, <laughs> trying to fight. I was trying to stay awake. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And we made it on our flight, and then the long flight was the one with next to the restroom and everything. And that flight was 14 hours. 14 hours. We were in those little children's seats. Fuck that. And then when we got to L.A., uh, and we met up with, you know, Clarissa and Devin, who, they had a great time in Copenhagen, even though they said they had travelers, like, guilt because they were sleeping <laughs> in the nice hotel and getting all the treats and drinks and everything in Denmark while me and Carter are living this life. Yeah. And... We get to LA and they're like, so they lost our bag. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And here's what really makes me hate SAS, which if you don't know what SAS is, it's Scandinavian Airlines. And I repeat, do not fly with SAS. Name them. Name them. Name them. I'm naming them. I'm tagging them in this. <laughs> this whole episode is just about them, actually. But <laughs> they, uh, they wouldn't even answer the fucking phone. Like... They don't answer the phone. They don't, like, no one responds. There's no help desk. There's just no one there. And this, we landed on a Saturday. And it is now, like, a week and a half later. And no one has responded. We've left voicemails. We've left emails. We've called all the different lines. Um, we tried all the different airports it could have possibly have gone to. Like, 
LAX or Copenhagen or maybe it's still in Dublin I went on the website and there's like lost and found I looked at every picture of everything there's one slightly similar description on the Dublin airport website so we've been trying to get a hold of them yeah but again no one's gotten back to us no one will answer (sighs) I tried tweeting but I only got like 10 followers so (laughs) that's not gonna help me much (laughs) It's just like a total nightmare. And the worst part is it's like I don't even I don't even know that I care anymore. Like I feel like I have just let go of our luggage at this point where I'm like, yep, that's just that's just the way it is. But it still fucking sucks. It had all your guys' souvenirs. It had all our souvenirs in it. I had our whiskey. It had my gym shoes, which I'm reminded of every single day that I try to go to the gym and I wear clown shoes in there. Um (laughs) And then, of course, like, when I get home, like, we had to drive from LAX back up home to Monterey, and it was, like, six hours, and I was drowsy, so I got us totally lost on this really haunted, like, mountain road that I've never been on before, and then we made it home, and my car battery doesn't work, and I'm just like, when will it end? When will it end? I have no idea. I think I'm haunted. I don't know. But, uh, that was Ireland's return trip. Ireland itself was amazing 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 i will be going back i will not be flying with sass ever again it'll be on my tombstone do not fly with sass <laughs> let it be known anyway so that's this week's cards of contest. <laughs> literally 30 minutes into it and someone is like what the fuck am i listening to here <laughs> you know sometimes you just gotta let out man and this is therapy for me so and yes. I might be a few shots in, but, you know, this is therapy. Therapy for you, therapy for me. And I hope it's not therapy for motherfucking sass, because fuck those bitches. Fuck them bitches. Except you, Trish. You tried your best, Trish, and I don't hold it against Did you. Did she, though? Maybe she stole your suitcase. You know, it's funny, because people replied to my story, and they're like, fuck Trish. <laughs> <laughs> if she could do her job, maybe you'd have a suitcase. <laughs> Totally kidding. Totally kidding. But also, <laughs> hmm? no, just kidding. You know what sucks is that I, so here's the thing that we think is Devin and Clarissa said when they got on the flight, they're like, oh, you guys are the one with the bag, right? And they're like, yeah, like talking about, you know, the last minute bag. And then yeah. the captain's like, sorry about the delay. We had to take someone's bag off the flight that didn't make the flight. And we all put our money together to pay for this one big luggage and we had our carry-on so and it was under Devin's name not under me or Carter's name so we're convinced now that that was our luggage that they took off the plane and I think they probably just went fuck it and put it in like the arrivals thing so it probably went to the like you know little bag um claim area and me and Carter, meanwhile, yeah. are, like, wandering around the entire airport trying to find someone to help. And if we would have known, we could have grabbed our bag right then and there. That's what kills me. Yeah. That's what kills me. And also our Tullamore whiskey's in there. Our Jameson whiskey's in there. The special kind that you can't get in the U.S. <laughs> Rude. Did I mention my gym chips are in there? <laughs> I had a gift for you, too, it's Katie. It's in there. Too. What was that? I had a gift for you, too, and it's in there. Fuck you, Trish. Don't no, care. <laughs> I thought that counts. 
Yeah. I have, like, only a couple little things that made it back that I happened to have in my carry-on. And I feel so bad for Carter because he was really, like, most excited about the distillery of Tullamore Dew. And he, has, yeah. he sent a snap and he's like, all I have from the Tullamore Dew distillery is this bag. And it's, like, the gift bag that our souvenirs came in. So sad. But anyways, um, life is great, and <laughs> you're good. It's all good, and I hope you've skipped ahead now, so we can actually get to it. Um, there's so much to update you guys on, but maybe we'll save that for another episode, and we can talk to you about why I'm moving to Florida or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> we gotta get to the story though, because we're already like, we have. I already told you a story and a half, so it's just one of those things but yeah, you know what yeah, yeah. to be fair i don't feel like we've gone on a rant like that in a really long time so it has been a while it's been so, a while and you know you didn't it, hear it my voice the entire month of May. yeah it needed to happen i need to talk to somebody so i've been just burying it and sad i'm about to go bust <laughs> <laughs> stories like this is what makes me feel justified in getting to like all my flights literally five hours early I swear, I'm just going to take a COVID test, like, every time now, and I feel like I'm going to get there the day before, and, you know, though, I think, I think I may have sent you this TikTok that I saw of another girl who showed up on time, and she missed her flight, and when she got there, they're like, yeah, we sent you an email, and her flight was, like, at 5 o'clock, and she got an email at 3.02 that the flight time had been changed to 3 what the f- so the flight had taken off and then they sent an email saying by the way we changed the flight by two hours wow and her tiktok was like okay <laughs> what do you do now and i was like oh my gosh i swear how are these airlines getting away with this like i really don't know it's like- crazy too because on sass's website it says that oh if your luggage is delayed getting to you like we'll pay you like we'll pay you for the stuff you had to use and buy um to get by and like we'll give you your money back for paying for the luggage and stuff and i'm like how do you even get your money back if no one talks to you if no one replies yeah, to you what, if you could get a hold of somebody <laughs> yeah like, like seriously you really persevered here's some money <laughs> seriously i was like what if we were stuck somewhere like like, we didn't make it back to California, but we were stuck somewhere else, and we didn't have our luggage, and you couldn't get a hold of anyone. Like, you're just fucked. I guess so. They Carry on care. from here on out. Just shrink wrap it or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, I will never check a bag again. <laughs> it's crazy, too, because they're like, we asked them to, we asked one of someone, we're like, can you just, like, check where it was last scanned? They're like, no. <laughs> point of all the stickers you guys put on there yeah <laughs> fucking scan them like jeez. no no we don't no. do that i'm like okay cool so yeah so anyways Thanks for nothing <laughs> anyways ireland was great <laughs> i'm not taking a shot of whiskey right <laughs> now <laughs> we're drinking whiskey tonight guys <laughs> we're drinking whiskey tonight or bourbon i should say and i mean yeah we do have to we do owe someone a shot we do. Ailish McDermott, thank you so much. Are you from Ireland? <laughs> are you from Ireland, Ailish? Tell me now. I know What's you are. What's the secret? If you're in Ireland, if you're in Dublin, go find my bag for me. <laughs> Can you do this the solid, Ailish? I want my souvenir. <laughs> I will send you all the kinds of cocktail souvenirs I got. <laughs> you could just return my bag to me, please. <laughs> 
But anyway, welcome. Um, We're not normally like this, this, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) Okay, you're right. If you've been listening this far, you know we're normally like this. So, yeah. But cheers. It comes in waves. I do appreciate you joining our Patreon. We know we've been uh, dead in the water the last month. But um, cheers to a new month. And we'll get you lots of good content and goodies on the way. So... This yes. shot of bourbon is for you. Yes. Cheers. And if you hear motorcycles and cars or dogs or anything in the background, let's remind you, uh, we do uh, not have a recording studio. <laughs> so. And we do have animals and cars going by our homes. Yep. yep. <laughs> yes. So... If you guys remember, our last episode we did, we were, like, talking about doing a little spooky series, and Mm -hmm. Katie did a really cool one on the, what was it called? Greenbrier Ghost. Yes. Which was a crazy story, and I don't have one like that. (laughs) So, I'm gonna be honest with you. This started out with good intentions, and then I just, it just is, like, too much of a thing. Like, okay, so mine is more about, like, a haunted place, and Katie doesn't she hasn't looked into any of this that I've looked at. This is all Mm-mm. surprise. Um, yes. But I wanted to look into a spooky place that I've been to, and I've been to a lot of them. I don't, maybe this is why I'm cursed, but I love going to haunted places, and I think it's fun <laughs> and everything. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, so I was trying to look up for uh, some places, and there was a place I found that I actually didn't know was haunted, and I've been to. So, I'm going to be talking about Turnbull Canyon, which is in Whittier, California, which is in Southern California. Now, I've been hiking there. Uh, Like you guys know, Katie and I both lived in Long Beach. I lived in there a couple years after her, and I went hiking there with one of my friends. And I'm trying to remember. I feel like he told me it was haunted, but I just don't remember that for some reason at Mm -hmm. the moment. I just remember it was hot. There was not really a whole lot of shade. It was dusty. And I don't know. So now that I know what I know about this place, I kind of wonder how the hike would be different for me if like all of a sudden I would be more aware of my surroundings and maybe it'd be really creepy to me. But I don't know. Places also are very different at night and I went during the day. So, but to put us in the mood for that, we need a cocktail because you also got to get on our level. So (laughs) I'm going with an old fashioned with a twist. It has nothing to do with today's story. I just felt like someone talking about old timey times. I feel like an old fashioned is an old timely, uh, it's an old timey kind of drink. So an old fashioned haunting. Yes, there you go. (laughs) And I added a little kick in there because, you know, California likes a little spice in its thing. So there you go. So you're going to take your rocks glass, and it's just like a typical old-fashioned made the correct way. You're going to take your orange slice. I use a Luxardo cherry, and we're going to add this time, though, a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of cayenne pepper, and we're going to muddle all that together. Now, you can choose to add a little bit of simple syrup if you want or sugar cube. I think the cinnamon sweetens it enough on its own. And then I muddle that. I add an ice spear because that is just the most beautiful ice for an old-fashioned, in my opinion. And then you add two ounces of your favorite bourbon, which today I'm drinking Basil Hayden. And cheers. That's it. Don't add soda water to it because that destroys it. So give it a little (laughs) swish. And uh, 
I think it was you who sent me that TikTok of that girl making the old fashioned. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't like, remember what she put in there, but she like poured literally a whole bottle of like, she's like, you gonna pour some of this? In? It's a really strong drink. I'm like, yeah, you're drinking the whole bottle. I can tell. <laughs> Just like that one shot, two shots of vodka. <laughs> yes. Just a dash of wine is the whole bottle. Oh my gosh. All right. So, should I play some creepy music to put us in the mood? <laughs> yeah, I'm like considering turning off the light, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. So, in 1873, Robert Turnbull was a shepherd from Scotland who moved to California, and like most people, he was trying to buy a plan to make some money, because that was the time to be in real estate. We all trying to hustle. <laughs> yeah, we all got the hustle, you know. And um, remember around this time, a lot of people were moving to California, so it's, it's a booming state, you know, it's kind of in its early, early years here. So the first little stretch of land he bought was located in Los Angeles near the Macy Street Bridge, which is now known as the Cesar Chavez Bridge. Not too long after he arrived here, he was sort of known as, um, how do I put it, the town drunk. So he liked the little hiccuping at the end of its night, you know. Scumps. Scumps. <laughs> <laughs> it was rumored that no one had done business with Turnbull in, um, sober <laughs> so apparently he did everything drunk that's just the way he was and i mean he's scottish so i don't know let him live his life um sounds like a cool dude to me sounds like a cool dude to me <laughs> now around the same time that turnbull was making his way in real estate the owners of the temple workman bank which is william workman and his son-in-law fpf whatever that stands for temple i'm not gonna lie i didn't really like I did a lot of research into this, so forgive me on not knowing everyone's freaking name initial, okay? But <laughs> I'll forgive you. Thank you. So they're managing their business pretty poorly. In 1875, the economy went through a crash, and the bank was unable to meet the demands of the townspeople. So the bank was closed in January of 1876, and in May of 1876, Richard Garvey told William Workman that Elias J. Lucky Baldwin was a landowner investing in the L.A. area real estate market and that he was going to foreclose his property. So a couple days later, uh, William Workman was just, I guess, really depressed about all of this and that people were like, you know, doing all this stuff and then he was going to lose his property and everything mm -hmm. like that. So he grabbed his revolver and he took his own life. Yeah. So because of this and the crash and the fall of the bank and everything was kind of in disarray, Turnbull, I don't know why, but he was appointed to a bank advisory committee. Yeah, so let's put the drunk in charge of the finances. Sounds like a great idea to me. So he worked with large creditors. And basically, this committee was trying to figure out a plan on how to get the townspeople money back. Because if you ever saw It's a Wonderful Life and you saw George Bailey when he was in a crisis, like everyone puts their money in the bank and the bank, you know, goes around and, well, your money's with old Joe and your money's with little Sarah over here. And that's how it works <laughs> back then. So it doesn't work. And I don't know how it works now, but I know. now the government just controls everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I keep my money in the walls. Thankfully, so. oh <laughs> Taylor works for a bank, and so I'm just like, figure it out. Because <laughs> I can't. Can you just figure it out for me, please? 
So they're trying to figure out this like plan and how they do this. And I'm I'm sure they took some service fees or something because we know how banks are. <laughs> but, um, so since Turnbull was on this committee, he was able to buy land for really cheap. And so this is when he bought the land in Whittier that we now call Turnbull Canyon. Of course, it wasn't called that at the time, as you might have guessed. He kept his sheep in the canyon where he made a living off the wool. And the canyon had a lot of great pastures at the time and it had a stream for the sheep. So it was kind of an ideal location. You also got to remember that California wasn't always this like desolate area in L.A. It actually used to be pretty thriving (laughs) and green and everything. So... Yeah, so it was a pretty ideal location for him to be a little sheep farmer over there. Now, about 10 years later, two Quaker men named Akila Pickering and Jonathan Bailey were in search of a new area to build. (laughs) What? I just like the name Pickering. Pickering. (laughs) Akila Pickering. Yep. I don't know. Pickering. (laughs) Whatever. So whatever. So they're looking for a new place to build their Quaker town. Quaker colony area. And they said, hmm, this canyon looks perfect for organized crime. I mean, Quaker town. So uh, that's where they decided. So they asked Turnbull if they could purchase the canyon, but he refused. And he was trying to drive a hard bargain, you know, trying to make some money off of it. So, but the Quakers were pretty persistent on buying this land and they kept making him offers for the next two years until they finally made him an offer he couldn't refuse. So, in June of 1887, Turnbull accepted their offer of $30,000 for the area, which is now known as Uptown Whittier area. So, for the two years, the Quakers, they're, they're paying it off and everything like that. $30,000 in 1887 translates to about 900000 today. Which so good deal. I know. <laughs> you can't even get a house for that price. I mean, you could, but it really depends on the house. It's more like an apartment or something like that. So yeah. It's a fucking steal. So Turnbull's living his life. He's selling sheep wool, selling land, etc. He's out one night having a few drinks as he usually does. But on his way home, he falls off of his horse and he's arrested for mm-hmm. public drunkenness. And this is uh, about January 1888. So he spends a night in jail, but when he gets home the next day, he tells his housekeeper that he's been beaten and he has no idea how. And I found actually in the 1888 edition of the LA Times from January 21st, an article that said, and I'll read it here. So Mary Cape, his housekeeper said, Turnbull came home in a hack Wednesday afternoon. He had told her he had been in jail and that someone had struck him, blacking his eyes. He went to bed, but afterward he got up and dressing himself, he left the house. He had on at the time carpet slippers, coat, vest, two shirts, and a pair of pants and wore her straw hat. She did not see him again alive. Grant Van Slyke said uh, he was the boy who found the body testified to the fact Dr. McGowan, who made a post-mortem examination, testified that the organs were in such a condition that would be expected in a chronic drunkard, but were otherwise healthy. There were no marks of external violence, except that both knees were skinned, and the skin under his eyes was discolored as if he had got hit with a blow, which to me sounds like external violence, just saying. Yeah. 
On an opening of the skull, there were several clots of blood found on the brain, and there was a fracture on the left side of his head. The clots were several days old, so they believe that the death resulted from um, a blow, basically, to the head, and (laughs) that that's how he died a couple years later. So they think that maybe the... The, the blow to his head caused an aneurysm a few days later, and then he fell off the Maxi Bridge and fell into the L.A. River, where his body was later found. His hmm. death was ruled a murder, and there was an investigation, but this mystery remains unsolved. So, he died close to the canyon, and the Quakers decided to name the canyon after him to show their gratitude. And that- or their guild. Yeah, or their guilt. Maybe they killed him. Maybe they <laughs> done him in. I don't know. <laughs> I'm quaking. So, <laughs> quaking in my boots over here. So, Turnbull Canyon is named after a murder dude to start out with. So, now that we all had our history lesson on Turnbull Canyon, uh, let's talk about some of the reasons why it may or may not be haunted. So, I'll back it up a little bit. Um, this actually, before Turnbull was there, it actually, like most of America, was a Native American land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> legend has it that the name of this canyon before Turnbull was supposedly, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, Hotunga, 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 Hotunga. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Katie's grandma. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce My it. My Gunga's mad at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, that this place was named by Native Americans to mean the place of death and darkness. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. So. Ooh. <laughs> the, I'm also going to butcher this too. The Kiz and the Tungva tribes originally lived here. And when the Spanish came, they're lazy and they, you know, renamed everybody. Uh, they called these <laughs> tribes the Gabriel Gabrielinos. I'm so sorry that I am terrible at pronouncing this stuff. So, okay. as most of you hopefully learned in your history class, when the Spanish came here, uh, it was not friendly. And they forced tribes to convert to Catholicism. And when natives opposed, they would put them to death or, you know, make them slaves or what, yeah. whatever, right? And so... Hotunga, <laughs> I feel so terrible that I cannot pronounce this. Um, I want to see it written out. <laughs> it's H-O-T-U-U-K-N-G-A. N-G-A. Yeah, that's weird. Hotunga is how I want to say it. But Interesting. apparently, supposedly, this is a place where, well, not supposedly, historically, Hotunga is the place where several natives who rebelled against the Spanish were put to death. Um, however, it turns out that this is partly a legend because Hotunga, whatever we're going to call that, is actually not in Turnbull, but it's a little bit more north, more like your Belinda area. Hmm. But... Turnbull is still an area that was inhabited by the Tungva tribes and the Kiz tribes. So that part is true. So I'm sure there are some natives that did die there or something, um, like everywhere else. <laughs> but uh, So a <laughs> little bit, there is basically one of the legends about the Turnbull Canyon is that there is a 
Indian curse there because of all of this and that it was called the place of the death and darkness. Um, Whether or not that is true or not, and it's still kind of debatable, like I said, the place that they actually called Hutinga is a little bit more north, but maybe this area was still known as like a dark place to Native Americans. I don't know. I tried to do a lot of research on this. It was kind of fuzzy and legends just kind of develop over years. Whether or not this place is still very eerie and a lot of sad stuff has happened in Turnbull Canyon. So there's so much history here that I am just going to kind of jump forward a lot because I was finding, I swear I could do a series on just Turnbull Canyon on how much crime has happened here. But we'll just start with a major tragedy for sure that happened on April 18th, 1952. Mm-hmm. So, the LA International Airport control tower lost contact with Captain Powell of Flight 416. The plane was supposed to land in Inglewood, California, at the LAX Inglewood. airport, Inglewood, around 3.30 in the morning, but it never arrived. Now, Captain Powell, he had made contact with the tower at 3.33, saying that the plane was positioned over the city of La Habra. Several radio calls were made to Captain Powell and his crew, but there was never a response. Now, around 10 a.m. that morning, so about seven hours later, a rancher named Hayden Jones was driving around Whittier Heights area, his ranch, and he saw smoke rising from the hills. So he climbed up the hill and he just saw flames and pieces of steel smashing the hillside of the canyon and everything. Apparently, a lot of people did wake up at 3.30 in the morning because they heard the crash, but they weren't really sure what had happened. And some people thought, did a bomb go off? You know, it's kind of like that. Yeah, half asleep and 3.30 in the morning. And it was so foggy that morning that that's why no one saw it till 10 in the morning. Like it was like crazy, intense fog. So, you know, we grew up in a foggy area here in Monterey. Like, sometimes it, you need that fog to roll back for you to even know, like, what kind of day it's going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Can't so, that's nothing. basically what happened there. The wreckage was pretty horrific. And they actually couldn't tell how many people had died because the wreck was so bad. And there was just everything was scattered all over the place. Um, and... They believe that the captain was flying about 10 feet below what he should have been flying because of the fog. And that's when he clipped the side of the canyon. So thankfully, they had records that they were able to go back and see, like, how many people were aboard this flight. And there was 29 people. And no one survived at all this flight. That's the flight that you guys would have liked to miss. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know a lot of people were like, maybe there's a reason you missed that flight. I'm like, really? Is there a reason my friend made it and had a great time? (laughs) (laughs) They were more deserving. (laughs) Don't fly with sass. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah. So, already... I mean, this canyon has 29 souls it's taken. So... Plus, I mean, this is like 1952. It's not even, this is like 100 years ago. We're talking about hundreds of years of things happening here. So, but again, I don't have time to talk about all of them. So, yeah. In 1978, 14-year-old Ben Davis was at a party at one of his classmates' house. He decided to leave with two, 
I guess we'll call them friends, but they really weren't friends. They were just druggy friends, basically. Okay. Yeah. So he left with David Coons and Fred Muniz, and he got in the backseat of Fred's car with David, and they were going to go try and score some more drugs. Ben was super drunk, completely just, you know, blacked out, basically, probably. And David tried to rob him. And so Ben pulled out Switchblade and he pulled it out on him. But Dave took the knife and stabbed Ben several times all over his body. Fred was driving the car while this happened. And so they were driving by Turnbull Canyon and they happened to drive up even farther. And they threw Ben over the side of the canyon and they left him there for dead. Miraculously, Ben climbed out of the canyon and his last words apparently were Fred Muniz did it, but he did. Ooh. He died. I now I read in one article that he climbed out two days later, and I read in another article that he died that night. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little conflicting, but I do think the two days yeah. one was a little bit more realistic because there was a quote from his father right after, and it was in the L.A. Times. Mm-hmm. So that's even scarier that this kid, this fourteen-year-old boy, was bleeding out for two days in the canyon. And then happened to climb out like that. And then, of course, didn't make it. Terribly sad. Um, I'd also like to note that there was someone who, like, wrote on the blog. And they're saying that he knew him. And I'm not going to, I'm not, like, making fun of the dead at all or anything like that. But he's just like, yeah, he wasn't a nice guy. (laughs) The 14-year-old? Yeah. Someone said Ben was not a nice kid. (laughs) He's like, but it's a rotten way to go. So sad tale. Indeed. I'm just it's like kind of, I mean this is fucked up but kind of refreshing to hear because I swear to god only saints get murdered yeah like, I know it's kind of like that <laughs> meme where it's like one day I just like to hear like you know she was kind of a bitch or whatever yeah <laughs> yes regardless I mean um, obviously nobody right that. no one it's deserves just... to be murdered and obviously he was a kid he's 14 years old so most 14 year olds are dicks they so. are I was definitely a brat at 13 Same. I'm guessing this kid, you know, it sounds like he was not on a good path and was hanging out with a lot of bad kids. So just really, really sad, honestly. Yeah. Um, There were a couple other murders that I found, but I'm just going to talk about a couple of the more recent ones. um, Okay. Because literally, I think there's been a murder in Turnbull Canyon like every year. Oh so, God. yeah, cursed, cursed. Exactly. So on October 12th, 2002, 17 year old Gloria Linda Gaxiola, I want to say is her name. Mm-hmm. She was shot in the head and kicked oh, out God. of the car in the canyon as her supposed three friends, uh, Abraham Acuna, Matthew Garcia, and Victor Monge. These were three guys that she hung out with and said she was quote-unquote friends with. But apparently she had witnessed them commit a robbery. So not good people. They were trying to cover it up. And they were trying to cover it up. They were worried that she was going to testify against um, them and the robbery. So they decided to kill her. But they shot her, kicked her out of the car. But when they closed the car, unknowingly, her foot was stuck on the seatbelt that was like hanging outside the car door still. And they drove off and they dragged her for four miles. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she dragged, they dragged her along the road in the Turnbull Canyon for four miles, which is, I mean, I'm pretty sure she was already dead, but it's still just. 
Even yeah, horrible. even if she was dead at that point, to do that to somebody's body is just disgusting. And you said she was seventeen. Yes. Yeah, seventeen. She was really pretty. There's a picture of her, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, they say they didn't know, but who knows? Honestly, yeah. who knows? Yeah. How do you not know that you're dragging a body for that long? I'm sorry, but right. You just like, I don't know. You'd have to know. Yeah. So on another, this happened a little bit later on Tuesday, August fourth, two thousand nine. Christine Martinez was stabbed and slashed with needles and left to die in the canyon. Now, she actually survived her um, thing here, but she does talk about a lot of scary things that she said she she thinks she imagined in the canyon and heard and saw. Mm -hmm. She apparently was with supposed friends again that were mm-hmm. not good people. No. Uh, 21-year-old Vincent Mendoza, 24-year-old Edward Moraz, and 27-year-old Jose Ayala um, apparently kidnapped her and tried to murder her, um, and they slashed her throat. She had a four-inch cut across her neck that they tried to slash her with a needle, and then she had a bunch of abrasions and head contusions because they threw her over the cliff. But she survived and climbed out of the ravine and knocked on, like, a neighbor's house of this 90-year-old woman named Arlene Boatwright and got help from her. Um, So, thankfully, she made it. But Mm -hmm. still a horrible, crazy thing happened there. On March 3rd, 2011, uh, an identified woman's body was found hidden in one of the canyon's ravines and parts of her body were missing um the newspaper said she was found quote 10 feet deep in an embankment with her left arm missing so to me it kind of sounds like she was buried or parts of her were buried um they still don't know her identity which is really sad that is really sad i hate when Somebody's not even able to be identified after that. I know. I don't experience that. It's, uh, and it's always crazy to me that they can't identify because I think, oh, with technology, but then it's like, if your DNA isn't in the system, yeah, they can't identify you. So yeah. it's meant to protect you, but, um, yeah, it's really sad. So those are just a couple tragic things that we know for a fact have happened in the canyon. Now I'm going to talk about some things that the legends are about the canon, but there's not really a whole lot of proof on this, so we'll just start. So supposedly during the Great Depression, and you're going to laugh when you hear the story already, that the canyon started to be used for strange satanic activity. Yes. Yes. Hail Satan. (laughs) So... Many families during this era, and this is true, had to give their kids up to orphanages, orphanages during the Great Depression because they couldn't afford to feed them. So there, there's that definitely is true. Um, but what this story says, and I found this story on several different websites, but like I said, there's no hard, concrete proof to back this up. It's just a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, But apparently there was a cult that would adopt the children from these orphanages and slaughter them as sacrifices in the canyon. That's metal. 
metal. So they would eventually start kidnapping children, and then this cult just vanished, apparently. So it was said that the cult would take children and keep them in a barn um, that was kind of on, like, this old barn on the premise, and that the people that ran this uh, cult would wear, like, long hooded robes, and then they... One eyewitness says that they saw when they were a kid, they saw this happen. They saw a kid get tied to a cross and then tortured and then set on fire and then, like, murdered. Eventually, like, slit their throat or something at the top of the canyon. Now, I don't know. Like I said, there's no hard evidence truth to this, but this is a story that many people are saying and a lot of elderly people are saying happened, so... Not sure. The old people said it. <laughs> Gotta be true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it is said that people have, a lot of people said that they saw bonfires in the canyons around this time frame. That is something they do remember, seeing a lot of big bonfires. So that is like one thing where it's like, I don't know, like did this really happen? The did not happen? Stuff? Something. Yeah. Um, apparently... There have been several, and I mean, I found about 50 different uh, stories of people saying that when they were hiking or going through the canyon that they saw ghost children in the canyon. So maybe, maybe that is, there is some truth to this. Maybe there's not. I don't know. But apparently there are ghost children haunting Turnbull Canyon. Hmm. Um, apparently the cult is not the only thing that's remembered by elderly people that don't really have a whole lot to back up their things that they're saying, but apparently during the 1930s, there used to be a mental hospital in the canyon. Everyone always talks Hmm. to talk about mental hospitals though, and I realize that they were a horrific place to be in this time frame, and so I can understand why it's like the scariest thing you can think of, but... I tried really hard, and maybe with more time I could do more sleuthing to look into this, but I could not find any record of a mental hospital being anywhere in this proximity. Like, I found a hospital that still exists today. Um, There is an insane asylum in Downey, California, which is very much abandoned and terrifying to go to, and that is probably... I don't know, maybe like 40 miles away. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's confusion that it's that one. But they're trying to say that there was a mental hospital there in the 30s. And there would be records of it if it was in the 30s. Yeah. That's not that long. That's not that long ago. It is, but it's not. Exactly. They're saying, legend has it, that it burned down in the 40s. And so it was only around for about 10 years or so. And that, um, that, electroshock therapy was happening there, lobotomies were happening there, and other barbaric practices were there. Um, And so apparently in this fire, and this is by one elderly lady, she says that only her and um, a doctor were the only survivors from this fire. So maybe that's why there's no record. I don't know. (laughs) Sounds to me like you're making up your own scary movie. Anyways, so... Supposedly, this place existed, and I only found a story about this place existing in a couple different places. I think about three different blog spots. 
Um, but there was another blog spot, or not blog spot, but another story that came up several times, not about a memory of this place, but supposedly in 1962, a bunch of friends were partying in the ruins of the hospital one night, and one of the boys saw one of the electroshock devices, and he was like messing around with it, and then when he picked it up, he was electrocuted. And that the voltage was strong enough to kill him and that apparently his head started swelling and his eyeballs popped in his in their <laughs> sockets. That's the story. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then what I really liked is one of the blogs put at the end of it, they're all this was their line to end it all. Apparently, comma, the electricity had been shut off since the fires had happened twenty years earlier. Dot, dot, dot. Ghost electricity. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Now, there is a cemetery that is mm. one mile away, like kind of on the base of the Turnbull Cannon. And, you know, we love good spooky cemeteries. And the cemeteries had been abandoned in the 30s. Yes. And in 1960, <laughs> everything happened in the 30s, apparently. It's a haunted time. It's a haunted time. And in 1968, the city of Whittier took advantage of the legislation allowing acquisition of the property, and they created Founders Memorial Park on the four acres of land where the cemetery was. And this is a true story. And Mm -hmm. they supposedly erected all the 2,380-some people that were buried there and moved them somewhere else. And then they put, like, a monument there saying, like, with a list of the names or something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of neighbors that live in the area are like, yeah, they never took those bodies away. They just took the tombstones Ooh. away. Ooh. So, which I feel like is actually more likely, kind of like that's a uh, highway in Rhode Island that's, like, buried yeah. over 4,000 bodies. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember going to Salem and... They were talking, there was like this old church there and in the front it had a bunch of tombstones, but they were kind of like on top of each other. And the tour guide was like, yeah, the cemetery is actually in the back, but they wanted to put a parking lot there. So they just moved the tombstones and they left the bodies there and paved over it. Uh, and I'm like, what? I'm sorry, uh, what? Like, this is just something we just, <laughs> we just do this? Like, we're fine with that? Yeah. You're fine parking your 94 sedan on top of a body? <laughs> like, what? hell it's like this is so weird but it happens more than you think now there have been also so we have satanic cults that have supposedly been there mm-hmm. um oh another really popular one is the kkk which is totally possible <laughs> because the yeah. kkk does exist in southern california believe it or not um and whittier actually had a report i want to say a year ago of like a bunch of kkk propaganda was like put on every single house in like Whittier or something like that. I'm totally probably misquoting that, but it does happen. Um, and supposedly there has been a white hooded KKK figure that patrols the Canyon side and walks up and down periodically at like sunset and sunrise. So could be a ghost, could be a real person doing it, could be a homeless person. I don't no, know. That's just my un- my racist uncle. <laughs> just my racist uncle Sam. Yeah, <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's also a tree called the Hangman's Tree, 
which is a actual real tree in there, but there's no verifying history that anyone was hung from this. But apparently many witnesses have said that they have seen that they'll look at it once and they'll see someone, a man hanging from it. But then when they blink and look That's again, creepy. there's nothing there. That's like the conjuring tree. Yeah. That, I mean, the mind plays tricks on you for sure. Um, but maybe, who knows? I mean, we gotta think about what time. I mean, think about a lot of the trees and hanging was a thing that we did for sure for a lot of yeah. reasons and so that. So it's very possible that maybe this was an actual hangman's tree back in the day. I don't know. Um, apparently there is a uh, witches that practice in the canyon still and there have been sightings apparently of them. Again, this is all taken off blogs so I don't have actual physical evidence or photographic proof that this still happens or has been happening, but apparently there have been many witness accounts of witches practicing witchcraft in the canyon, along with the KKK and um, everyone else. And the asylum, supposedly there is a old... So they're at the end of the dirt road in the canyon. There you will find, and this is actually there, you will find some old uh, fence, like gates, that are blocked off to say private property, and you're not allowed to go in there or anything like that. Supposedly, mm-hmm. the asylum ruins are in there, and it has been referred to as also the gates of hell. And so mm-hmm. many people believe that this is one of the entrances to hell. Now, I read on another blog, someone saying, this is my actual property, and you kids are getting out of hand. (laughs) Please stay off. We're trying to find other ways to kick you out of here. So, who knows? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Lots of craziness. Um, Definitely one of the things, and I read this actually on a few hiker, so hiker blogs or hiker... um, sites that kind of give you like great hiking trails and things like that they're not usually ones to get into like oh this place is haunted you know they're not like looking for all that um but i did read on about three different hiking sites that people are like yeah it's a beautiful thing during the day would not do it at night it definitely feels like a completely different world um one hiker said the air felt really tight and she felt like she was being watched the whole time she was hiking and that That's is something creepy. that I've read on multiple blogs where they said that people feel like they're being watched, especially as they get near the water tower, which is kind of like at the head of the trail. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a, there's, there. I could keep going on, to be honest. Like, there was so much, but I was like, I gotta just nip this in the butt because I could keep going and talking about all this. Like there's just so, there's so much actual tragic history that happened in Turnbull Canyon, but then there's also all these legends that have arisen over the last Even without the legends, with just the people who've died and have been murdered there, it's scary. Yeah. (laughs) I would not be there at night. No way. No. Hell no. (laughs) Mm -mm. So it's a, it's a dark history, dark past for sure, and definitely on one of the uh, spookiest places in California for sure. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. So when you were there, you didn't like it was daytime. I'm assuming. It was daytime. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't do like a heavy hike in there. I was with my mm-hmm. friend Kevin and we kind of just were, I don't know, we did a pretty simple hike and I kind of yeah. want to see if I, I think I remember taking a picture there and I want to see if I can find it. Look for orbs. <laughs> I feel like Kevin would have told me that it was haunted because he normally, you know, tells me about all that stuff. But and no. For some reason, I feel like he did tell me, but I kind of was like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, kind of a thing. And there were a lot of people there. Like when we were hiking, um, there was a lot of people during the day and it was really hot. I just remember it being really hot. But I can't imagine it at night. I mean, any canyon at night is scary alone. And so, but a lot of records are talking about it just having a really heavy presence and they felt like lots of eyes were watching them. People have talked about seeing ghost children there, the hanging man from the hang tree. Um, so, and then the apparently the just, uh, just really dark, sinister presence, which I'm saying, I mean, like you said, so much murder has happened here. And I'm sure KKK people have met there. Like, that is. I'm sure that's happened there. I don't know about like the witches and the cults or any of that. Or, I definitely don't really think this insane asylum existed. Um, yeah. But gates. <laughs> it doesn't mean that people haven't done sinister like things like that. Um, there yeah. For sure. So I don't know. Maybe I will do more deep diving into Turnbull Canyon and do something in the future because I feel like there's just so much there that we can really just keep going on and on about how creepy this place is. So if you're in Whittier, <laughs> let's go at night, go for a hike at night. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> or <Bye hike. laughs> if you are from the area and you do have like a scary memory of it, then you should let me know. Tell us if you've been to the gates of hell. The gates of hell. <laughs> <laughs> or if your grandma was in the asylum. <laughs> Yeah, she said the one person who escaped with her doctor. Yes. I was like, "Mm." now there is definitely an insane asylum, like I said, in Downey, California, that's abandoned. And if you look at pictures, it's pretty creepy. I've never been to it. I've always wanted to go to it, but I've never been to it. And uh, it looks pretty scary, like pretty eerie. Yeah. But yeah, creepy place, creepy, creepy place. So that is uh, a short history of Turnbull Canyon, California. There it is. Oh, <laughs> um, you guys—we forgot to say at the at first uh, the top of our episode. Um, if you're not already following us, you should at Crimes and Cocktails on Instagram. Um, you can always email us, especially if you have some experiences with this place. Um, and that would be crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. Um, of course, you're always welcome <laughs> to become um, a Patreon like um, Eilish, who we took the shot for earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails. Um, and you'll get access to our single shots there as well, which is just some extra content for you guys. Yes. And then I'll just 
quickly name some of my sources. There was a lot. I'll try to tag them all in the episode. Uh, TongvaPeople.org, which is a great website that talks about the Tongva tribes and the history of it. Um, LA Times, Newspapers.com, CityofWhittier.org, Turnbull Canyon. Some of the blogs I also found were TurnbullCanyon2007.blogspot.com, HauntedLosAngeles.blogspot.com, and WhittierMuseum.org, and Murderpedia.org, and... CNN news as well. So those are just a few. There nice. was a lot more. I need to tag them all in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, this was a really long episode. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and I We're pretty back. Much did all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. This might be like our longest episode since like an Ed Kemper one, I think. Wow. Wow. Well, but enjoy. It was I mean, you got a little crime. <laughs> personal story at the beginning. So. Yes. yes. Which was also a crime. Don't so. lie <laughs> Hashtag no sass. <laughs> Say no to sass. No sass for this ass. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we are back in the game and we will keep those episodes coming. And we hope you are having a great start to your June. And um, yeah, keep it chill. <laughs> Catch you on the flip side. Bye.